This is not normal. This is not politics as usual. No, it is not. It didn't used to be anyway. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. With From you. Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles. This is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast and 106.7 FM KSO in Cottage Grove, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 93 FM WLRI News Radio, in Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. In Columbus, Ohio, on WGRN 94.1 FM, the Green Renaissance Network. In Palinville, New York, on 102.9 FM WLPP. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul, on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And streaming coast-to-coast and around the globe on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik, blanketing planet Earth. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for, for joining us for another thrilling, action-packed adventure that we call the Bradcast. Coming up, uh, those remarks uh, you heard at the top uh, from <clears throat> from Michelle Obama at a campaign rally in New Hampshire today were really, uh, well, really put in stark perspective how extraordinary and, frankly, awful election 2016 has now become, as if you needed that to be put into perspective. Uh, as she says, this is not politics as usual. I'm starting to wonder if maybe it is. We'll play some extended excerpts in any uh, in any event from uh, from her speech in Manchester, New Hampshire. A must listen expert uh, experts <laughs> excerpts uh, from that uh, from those comments on Thursday shortly. In the wake of still more allegations against Donald Trump from women who claim that he was uh, groped by him. And uh, and in other ways acted uh, very inappropriately towards them over the years. So, um, wow, that's coming up uh, in a bit. Also coming up in a bit, Al Gore and Hillary Clinton rallied millennial voters to uh, to vote climate in Florida. That's right. Uh, Green News report coming up in a little bit. So at least there's that. There's that. Hi, Desi Doyen. How Hi. are you doing? Uh, we also had uh, <laughs> an amazing uh, Oklahoma's governor now is uh, uh, calling for people to pray for for the oil fields. <laughs> yes, she is. It's incredible. So that's coming up. Uh, speaking of Florida and not being able to uh, not being able to vote there since I mentioned Al Gore. Uh, yeah, Al Gore returned to the original scene of the crime on Wednesday, what I consider to be the scene of the crime, the original scene of the crime, uh, uh, Florida. 
For those not old enough to remember, I consider what happened in Florida in the year 2000 to be one of this nation's original sins, frankly. Had the 2000 election not been as close as it was, thanks in no small part to the Boy, uh, here's the list uh, of just a few of them. The uh, the gaming of the chads on the paper ballots that were made by the Sequoia Voting Company in, in Miami-Dade County that year, with about seven different quality control employees from the company later admitting on camera. Look it up at bradblog.com, by the way. It may be the only place you can find it now, this interview with Dan Rather with those employees from the company that made the ballots with those hanging chads back in 2000. So thanks to that, thanks to the paper ballot uh, vote tabulation computers used in uh, Florida, optical scan, paper ballot scanners made by the company that would become Diebold Election Systems, Inc., otherwise known as DESI. By the way, <laughs> sorry about that. Diebold Election Systems Correct. Incorporated. That's Just right. want to make that absolutely clear. That's right. Clear. Not you. Not your fault. Thank uh, you. Those op scanners uh, in Volusia County uh, recorded negative sixteen thousand twenty-two votes for Al Gore on election night. Negative sixteen thousand twenty-two votes in an election that was ultimately decided by about five hundred votes. I mean, who programs a computer to count backwards? Don't know. We still don't know. But uh, that's what happened. Uh, and also thanks to the so-called butterfly ballots that led thousands of elderly Jewish voters in Palm Beach County to accidentally vote for the anti-Jewish independent candidate Pat Buchanan that year. Thanks to the thousands of voters who were not allowed to vote at all that year due to having their names removed from the rolls after they were inaccurately included on a list of supposed felons who were not allowed to vote in Florida. And thanks mostly to the U.S. Supreme Court for disallowing the hand counting of paper ballots in the state, which almost would have almost certainly would have found that Al Gore, not George W. Bush, actually won the state and thus should have been declared the 43rd president of the United States. So all of that comes to mind when I see Al Gore down in Florida. So, uh, and, and thanks to all of that and, and more in, in Florida in the year 2000, we ended up with George W. Bush as president and all that has happened thereafter. It all starts there in the year 2000. That's why I call it the original sin. Uh, it's uh, all of this leads quite directly. I think a case can be very easily made from that year to the mess this country now finds itself in with uh, a sluggish economy, a bitterly divided and intractable uh, partisan politics, the growing threat of terrorism, a shocking and horrible Republican presidential nominee named Donald J. Trump. All of that comes from 2000. But other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Uh, <laughs> we'll return to Florida momentarily, but but not unrelatedly here. Uh, late last night, just before midnight, voter advocates in Georgia filed a lawsuit on Wednesday seeking an emergency extension of Georgia's voter registration deadline, saying coastal residents uh, were forced to flee Hurricane Matthew and that they should be allowed more time to submit uh, applications to vote this year. Georgia is now regarded sort of as a swing state or almost a swing state. Many Democrats see the shifting demographics there in, in the state and the rise of the African-American voting power in particular uh, as turning into a Democratic state. 
that could even you know start voting uh, Democratic in presidential elections even as soon as this year. The suit that was filed requests an extension of the voter registration deadline through October 18 for residents of Chatham County, where local government offices were closed for what would have been the last six days of the voter registration period that ended on Tuesday of this week, according to the Atlanta uh, Journal-Constitution. The suit alleges or suggests that the extension uh, could be made available to all residents statewide, given uh, what had happened with that storm. Georgia's Republican Secretary of State, Brian Kemp, was traveling Wednesday evening in uh, in coastal Georgia, to checking on preparations ahead of the November 8 contest. He said he was encouraged by the tour, believes that local officials are good to go, with early voting set to begin on Monday. But this complaint filed in the U.S. District Court uh, for for the uh, Southern District of Georgia notes that Chatham includes w- the city of Savannah. It has more than 200,000 citizens of voting age, more than 40 percent of whom are African-American and Latino groups who are historically underrepresented on voting rolls. That county was one of six under a mandatory evacuation order. Several communities within the county suffered widespread property damage and flooding. So the complaint alleges that by failing to extend the deadline, the state violated uh, constitutional right to vote for residents, as well as provisions of the National Voter Registration Act, the Motor Voter Law, requiring that states uh, receive and process voter registration forms 30 days prior to the election day. But that did not happen here. Because everything was shut down for six days before the before the deadline, uh, the Georgia NAACP, uh, Georgia Coalition for the People's Agenda, New Georgia Project, they all brought this suit uh, along with the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights under law. The group said that in the suit uh, that the, in the suit that the storm and related office closures forced them to cancel planned registration drives that otherwise would have resulted in people joining the voter rolls on that final weekend. Uh, Secretary of State Kemp, who has been no friend to state voters over the years, he released a statement on Thursday just ahead of the storm, uh, noting that uh, election registration offices would be closed in these coastal counties because of the hurricane and that that also might delay mail services in some areas. So that would potentially also delay processing of paper voter registration applications that had been mailed in. He did not, however, offer to extend Tuesday's deadline, despite more than half a million residents who faced mandatory evacuation during that final weekend of of voter registration in the state. Sound familiar? Well, that's exactly what happened in Florida as well, where the GOP-controlled state refused to, uh, to extend their voter registration deadline. Despite more than one and a half million displaced by mandatory evacuations in that case during Hurricane Matthew over the final weekend of voter registration, more than more than 100,000 new, as we've been reporting this week, uh, more than 100,000 new disproportionately Democratic leaning voters had signed up to vote during that same time period. Those those days right before the deadline back in 2012, uh, before the presidential election. Now, as we reported yesterday, some good news. A federal judge declared that Florida's reasons for failing to extend the deadline were poppycock. 
Literally, that's what he said, and he ordered an extra week of voter registration in the Sunshine State. In his, uh, in his order uh, yesterday, U.S. District Judge Mark Walker wrote uh, that no right is more precious than having a voice in our democracy. Hopefully it is not lost on anyone that the right to have a voice is why this great country exists in the first place. Florida Secretary of State Ken Detzner has now ordered that all 67 county election supervisors in Florida accept applications from new voters until 5 p.m. on October 18, and forms must be accepted if they're postmarked by, this, by, by that date, even if they arrive days later. Now, election supervisors uh, around Florida have voiced concern with the fact that there is now a very tight timeline imposed by the judge and they, uh, some of them at least, foresee uh, the potential for new problems in Florida. Early voting begins in many counties on October 24. That's just six days after the new registration deadline, and the state allows for 13 days for the state and counties to process voter registration forms. Some voters uh, who register at the last minute may have to cast provisional ballots if they aren't listed in the state voter database. According to county, uh, some county supervisors of election, uh, unclear postmarks on mailed forms could also add delays. There are impediments, but we are obviously going to make the to make it work, said Pasco Supervisor of Elections Brian Corley. Miami-Dade Supervisor of Election Christina White urged new voters and and groups registering them to act quickly and not wait until the last minute. Sounds like good advice. So how about Palm Beach County, one of the first Florida counties to face Hurricane Matthew last week and, as mentioned previously, one of the year 2000 crime scenes with its confusing butterfly ballots that year. Joining us now to discuss all of this is Palm Beach County, Florida Supervisor of Elections, Susan Booker, who is no doubt feeling like she is once again in the eye of a storm this time of the year with all that's gone on so far this year and everything else. Uh, welcome back to the broadcast, Susan. Thanks so much for having me back, Brad. I think that the ruling that happened this week is a victory for all of Floridians. And, you know, we're right up keeping track of all of our backlog of voter registrations, and I know we can get this done. We're a tough state. We're a tough county. And we've been working overtime for a month making sure that we're ready for the big push. Okay. And so I think what we saw in this order, kind of uh, some humorous, interesting things. But, you know, last Wednesday and Thursday, the governor was on uh, statewide TV telling us that time was running out and that this storm was going to kill us. Right. He urged us to hunker down and go home and close the doors and make sure that we're, you know, going to be safe. And people did that. The storm was a few miles off of our coast and roaring this way, a storm that we hadn't seen the impact like that in 500 years. And so we all closed our doors right before uh, the end of voter registration mm -hmm. deadlines. And, you know, at that time, people started urging the governor, hey, we need to extend voter registration deadlines. And he said that he didn't intend to make any changes. He indicated that everybody had had a lot of time to register. And on top of that, a lot of people have lots of opportunities to vote in, in the state of Florida. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that 
voting is a fundamental right, and if you're not registered to vote, obviously you don't have any opportunities to vote. Yeah, and and of course, uh, even exactly, it doesn't matter how many opportunities there are to vote if you're not registered. Now, did you guys? I know you had to close your doors, as you said. You guys were, uh, you know, looking right down the barrel of that storm. Did Palm Beach? uh, Did your office, supervisor's office, actually survive, Matthew, in good order? Are people still dealing with uh, flooding issues and so forth out there? No, we were so very fortunate. You know, there was another storm, Nicole, off of our coast, and it pushed this Mm -hmm. big monster storm uh, just a few miles east of us. And we had some wind and rain, but kind of a normal Florida day, and uh, it passed us by with just a little bit of wind. So we picked back up our servers on Friday and started back to work on Saturday. We're doing great. Good. I'm really happy to hear that. Uh, although I got to say, you, you sound a little bit uh, ticked off at the governor. I know you've had uh, problems with him in the past uh, as he's uh, tried to uh, purge voters inappropriately. Uh, was this something that uh, you, you and your, your colleagues, your, your fellow supervisors of election, were they upset about the fact that he would not extend this deadline? Were you guys part of that lawsuit to uh, to, to extend the registration deadline? Well, the lawsuit began on um, last weekend by the Democrats, and then the ACLU and the League of Women Voters joined with a couple of other organizations. And, you know, they just said that the storm unfairly impacted and denied the chance for new voters to come and register and, and to exercise their fundamental rights. They said that it was a violation of First and Fourteenth Amendment. And very interestingly, the judge looked it over very carefully. The lawsuit was brought against the governor and the secretary of state, and the judge determined in his injunctive order last uh, Monday that the governor was the wrong party to sue, that it was really the secretary. Hmm. And in the end, in his order on Monday, he declared the statute, the law in Florida, that there's no provision to extend uh, registration, voter registration, during an emergency. And so he determined that those laws are unconstitutional, threw them all out. Mm. And, and the result, this extra week of, uh, of, uh, of registration, you said you guys will be ready. Uh, but th- these are really tight deadlines for Florida. Do you have concerns? Will, will these uh, registrations all get into the system in time? Or is there going to be confusion uh, on Election Day? And even as early voting uh, starts with people not actually uh, being getting all the way into the registration system when they show up to vote. No, Palm Beach has no concerns. You know what? We opened our doors on the holiday on Monday. We had lines out the door all day. We were open till 7 p.m. on Tuesday. We saw a steady clip on Wednesday. The injunctive order allowed us to go from the deadline on Tuesday to, to 5 p.m. on Wednesday. And so we were just slammed with lots of people all day. We opened early. We stayed late. And all of our employees have been data inputting for a month now. So in actuality, we're about 5,000 pieces of data behind, which is nothing. I have a big crew. We're working late, and we will get it done before early voting starts. I can't really speak to my colleagues, but I know that they're hard workers as well. And, you know, the eye of the world is on the state of Florida. Mm -hmm. We're obviously the purple state, uh, very interesting changes in our state in the last couple of years. Millennials now um, outnumber senior citizens, and nearly half of the voters under 30 are either Latino or African American. We've had the principals in our, our state and here in our county. We had Bill Clinton here in Palm Beach County on Monday. Uh, Hillary and Al Gore were in Miami. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump is in Palm Beach today, and Tim Kaine is coming to Palm Beach this weekend. 
so we're a busy, active location, and as these events happen, and especially after the last debate, we saw a very large push of citizens out there. There are young people out there registering voters and bringing up us stacks that are a foot deep. And so people are out there working. They're very anxious about this election. We're mailing out our ballots. We hit 150,000 uh, vote-by-mail ballots today, and we expect to send out more than 225, maybe 250 absentee ballots. We have 888,000 voters, and let me tell you, I have never seen it so supercharged as I see it now. Wow. Been doing politics in this county for 20 years, and, you know, the last presidential turnout was 70%. We're setting up for about 80, 85, and wow. maybe plus more. Wow. Well, in the last presidential election uh, back in 2012, I know that uh, uh, counties all over Florida faced really long lines. That was uh, Governor Rick Scott and the Secretary of State Detzner had shortened the early voting period, I think, from, uh, uh, was it from 14, 14 to, to 8? Yeah, and we saw six-hour lines in some places. Now, afterwards, if I recall, they they said, oh, I wonder why we had such uh, long six hour lines in some places. And they extended it back to back. To, did they restore the full 14 days of, of early voting? Well, in they did. And they invited some of us to testify. And it was kind of very interesting. We explained that, you know, early voting was always popular. We always had lines. What did you think would happen when you cut the time in half? And so not only did they give us, at the discretion of the supervisors, up to the 14 days and that final Sunday souls to the polls, but I called them constrained facilities. We could only early vote at libraries or city halls. And so they actually took my language, and we can now have early voting in big community centers, which have gyms. We're at the fairgrounds. We're at the convention center. Uh, we have a lot more room to accommodate individuals, and we can put a lot more ballot printers in there. And since that time, we created a program on many iPads that takes a picture of your QR code on your driver's license, checks the voter in, sends a message to print the ballot, and it's much more efficient. So we're pretty sure that there's going to be some lines because some places are more popular than others, mm -hmm. but we have 15 locations. We're using the maximum number of days, the maximum number of hours, and we're set up for a big turnout. Wow. Uh, well, uh, that's good to hear, and, and your optimism is good, although it, it thinks, uh, you know, my brain starts thinking, well, what could possibly go wrong uh, in the state of Florida? Uh, I know there were problems in the primaries this year. Uh, a lot of people reported across the state, not just Florida, but, uh, you know, reported they had problems when they uh, showed up to uh, to vote, that they were not on the rolls, uh, that they didn't get registered in time. And I don't know if it was, you know, specifically Palm Beach or, or just uh, across the state. Did you guys have a lot of problems like that in, in the primaries? And uh, if so, do we think they're behind us now? Well, the problem that everybody saw throughout the country is with this new motor voter law, uh, people go to get their driver's license and they just change, update their address. And they ask them, do you want to update your voter registration? And they do. And they say, ask them, do you want to pick a political party? And they say, we don't want to change our political party. But they just moved from New York, and we don't know what their party was. So in the state of Florida, if you leave the party blank, mm. we have to register you as no party affiliation. So what happened is a lot of people who only vote in general elections came to vote in the primary because they're so hyped up for this election. Mm -hmm. And they were registered as no party affiliation voters. And so I think we're getting that straightened out. We're working on some legislation to make the party choice on the application mandatory. And so we hope that that'll happen. But in a general election, that's not going to be a problem because you can vote for any candidate that you'd like. 
Uh, we're shooting out today and tomorrow about 800,000 sample ballots, and uh, we have a lot of activity. We have a phone bank of 99 people, and we just can't keep everybody on, off the phone. Wow, uh, man. And and now what about the pur- I mentioned uh, back in uh, 2012 that uh, Rick Scott, the governor there, had tried to purge hundreds of thousands from the rolls, claiming they were non-citizens. Uh, as it turns out, uh, well, the supervisors of elections uh, kind of rebelled against that, and as it turned out, almost none of those more than, I think, 100,000 or so uh, people that he was claiming were non-citizens, almost none of them were actually non-citizens. Has there been a similar uh, uh, purge or attempted purge uh, this year by the state that voters should be concerned about? No, I think they gave that one up. You know, um, I worked with my congressman, Ted Deutsch, and he's a wonderful partner, and we actually found a man that was born in the Bronx that was a World War II veteran on that list, and that kind of shut it down, along with a couple of hearings where we asked a lot of questions about where they were getting their data, and they really didn't have the answers. It was really a form of voter suppression, and so they haven't come back to attempt that. I think they're a little gun-shy, Good. and uh, <laughs> kind of happy about that issue. We're, we, you know, we still battle it out for voter rights every day as supervisors, because that's our job, and you know, there's still an attitude the fewer votes that happen in Florida, uh, the better it is for the Republican Party. And, you know, I operate as nonpartisan. My doors are wide open. I want everybody to vote. It's an important election. And you can see that the state of Florida has so much focus. We're going to get these, these candidates here a dozen times. They're really ramping up all of the activity out in the field. And we just hope that everybody who wants to have an opportunity to vote comes out and votes. You know, they mentioned in the hearings that there were naturalization ceremonies that were postponed, and there were voter registration events on the weekend that mm-hmm. were canceled. I go out to churches, and you know, we go to the immigration swearings in, and all of those were canceled. So I think that this order is a victory for all Floridians, and it provides us with that just little bit of extra opportunity, and people are taking advantage of it. I've been on the phone all day. i getting thousands of emails every day along with everybody in, in the office. And so we're really kind of excited as a little tiny staff to be participating in this. We think that we're seeing democracy in action. It's unfortunate it always takes court action with this governor and the, the secretary, but if that's what works, that's what we need to do. I'm speaking with uh, Palm Beach County, Florida Supervisor of Elections, Susan Booker. Uh, Susan, i got just a few more questions for you. I know you're busy this time of year, but the Department of uh, Homeland Security has been warning about hacks of Electronic voting systems and voter registration systems, they have offered, uh, the the Department of uh, DHS has offered Mm -hmm. best practices to jurisdictions. They've offered to help to do physical uh, scans of systems to check for vulnerabilities or existing signs of hacks or malware. Has Palm Beach County uh, or Florida uh, taken up the offer from DHS uh, to, to have those systems looked at, um, or, or is that something that only a state uh, can can take, not the specific counties? Well, no, I will acknowledge that we did have a conference call with the supervisors. It got leaked before we even did it, mm-hmm. uh, with the FBI and Homeland Security last week, and we discussed the issues that are at hand right now. Today there's some news out that indicates that a vendor that works with a lot of super 
supervisors, not Palm Beach, uh, was hacked by the Russians. I don't know anything about that, but I do will say that there was a lot of sense of urgency on behalf of the state and the FBI and Homeland Security. So I do believe that something occurred, didn't occur here. We have checked our layers of security, and we've been assured, and, and we've tried to uh, work with others at Palm Beach County who provide us with our security to make sure that our data system is secure. We have a redundancy, and what we know is if the state gets hit, we can shut off the state and operate on our own. It, is there, uh, meaning if the state gets hit, their voter registration system gets hit, you guys can That's still correct. operate, you have paper? Uh, yeah. uh, well, we actually have our own. We have redundancy. We have it stored in the cloud. We have four different locations that it's stored, and so we can pick up our system and shut off from the state on election day if they're trying to confuse us so that we can't find our voters. We also send out paper registers to every precinct just as a backup. I'm kind of old and, you know, superstitious, <laughs> so safety is the best policy. So there's really no other area that they could really attack us on and except for uh, us being able to look up our voters. So we can look them up on our iPads or we actually have paper documents. And so we feel real secure, and our voting system is paper here in the state of Florida. Mm -hmm. We're not uh, connected in any way to the Internet, so you really can't hack our voter system. And uh, we've really kind of gone over some very close security procedures for about a year now, knowing that, you know, on a regular basis, we, we see that people are trying to get in not only to our database, but the state database, the county database. They're just trying everywhere. And, you know, being the county of Palm Beach, we're just taking that extra step of safety, and uh, we haven't seen a problem. I'm not privy to what the state has seen, but there is some information that a major vendor was hacked uh, by the Russians. I got a call today from CNN, and they're asking me questions. I don't know. I have no comment. But I'm, I'm sure that, you know, if there is a target, we're, we're probably on the list. L last, uh, I think, last question here, uh, Susan. I talk about you a lot because there was... Uh, Back in, I want to say, March of 2010, if I'm remembering it correctly. Yeah. Am I, is that right? There was a, yeah. a, a, a municipal election. Uh, your voting systems in Palm Beach County, the uh, Sequoia optical scan, they're paper ballot uh, systems, but yeah. they're computer systems that optically scan, reported uh, at least three races incorrectly. And you noticed something was amiss. You went to a judge. You asked to be allowed to do a hand count. And you determined that, in fact, those computer uh, paper ballot optical scanners had uh, declared, I think, uh, two winners, two yeah. losers to be winners or winners to be losers. You had to do a hand count to find out that, yes, in fact, the computers had it wrong. What right. are we? What are our concerns this year? I, I assume you're using those same uh, computer optical scanners this year. Well, we are, and you know what we did is we found a uh, problem in their firmware that was tested and certified by the state, and it was broken. And they knew it was broken, and they never told us. And so we've had it fixed, but since that time, because we know the vulnerabilities with this old equipment, we have put in place a three-tier audit system, and that's not a machine audit. It's actual physical ways that we have. You can check the tape coming out of the machine. You can check the cartridge counts and you can also count the paper ballots. So we have instituted an, a physical audit system that won't let that happen ever again here in Palm Beach County. 
And, you know, we're still looking for state-of-the-art, something off-the-shelf, voter equipment, and unfortunately the state of Florida has failed on that. We only have two vendors, and uh, they both have their set of issues. Do they let you hand-count paper ballots? There's there's some uh, technology that seems to get it right. It was, in fact, that hand-count that, you know, in, in March yeah. of 2010 that got the results right. Do they allow you to hand-count paper ballots in the state of Florida? Well, they don't allow us to hand count unless you go to court and ask the judge. But we can retabulate the paper ballots on our tabulating machines, and there's three ways to check. There's paper, there's a tape that comes out of the cartridge, and there's the cartridge. And we also have the totals of the number of people that checked in and used ballots. So that's kind of our fourth backup system. And if we get beyond that and we can't total and come to a positive conclusion, then I'm willing to go to court and ask to hand count the ballots. Good. I'm glad to hear you are. Uh, I hope more folks around Florida and around the country are, because, uh, frankly, those machines you mentioned uh, that that were a problem in 2010, those are also used all over the country. And so I don't know where they have been fixed, where they have not been fixed. And a lot of people have concerns about the election, uh, some for not good reasons, others for very good reasons. And, uh, you know, one of those good reasons we saw back in in Palm Beach County in 2010. Susan Booker, always great to talk to you as i've been saying to a lot of people this week uh i hope to not talk to you soon (laughs) but we'll Uh, see i hope to not talk to you soon but i (laughs) wish you good luck and i just want to say thank you you do a fantastic job and you've always been helpful to the state of florida thank you susan uh as have you good luck uh over the next few weeks i I suspect you're going to need it and uh boy we'll talk to you uh, soon no matter what i suspect susan booker uh eight years as the palm beach county florida supervisor of elections She's got her work cut out for her uh, this week, uh, this month, for sure. Thanks, Susan. Have a great day. Thank you. You bet. Okay, quick break, and we're back with uh, some of these remarks from Michelle Obama today that were just kind of amazing and much more on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. The 2016 election season is now at full throttle. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year round like no other media outlet in the nation. But we need your support to keep doing so now more than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate to make a monthly pledge of any amount you like to help keep us going or even just a one time only contribution. While everyone else covers the horse race, we also keep our eyes on the track conditions those horses are running on. Because voting systems, access to the polls, and citizen oversight of election results can make all the difference. Please help us continue to fight independently for your democracy. By taking about 60 seconds right now to stop by bradblog.com donate today. And thanks. Dancing Through the Fire. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. American women, I think, are roaring today. (laughs) Oh, yeah. After an avalanche of sexual assault allegations and other, let's say, improprieties uh, have come to light in the last uh, 12 or 24 hours since we were last on the air here. 
uh, against Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump. I, I'm I'm having trouble keeping up with them all, frankly. After we went off the air, they were coming from all over the place. Uh, BuzzFeed, Multiple media New outlets, York Times, People yeah. Magazine. Uh, at least four women now, and I've lost count, uh, but at least four women have stepped forward over the past day to detail allegations that Trump uh, touched or groped them uh, in, in various locations over various years as well. Uh, a number of women from his Miss Universe pageant have stepped forward to say that he uh, purposely burst into their dressing rooms while they were uh, in various stages of undress, while they were naked. The Trump campaign has vigorously denied all of the allegations just across the board. He says they are all fiction. Uh, but many of the charges match up with the comments that Trump himself was heard uh, volunteering about his own behavior, both in that now infamous hot mic uh, access Hollywood videotape, which he lewdly grabbed, uh, uh, brags about sexually assaulting women and in past appearances that he's made on the Howard Stern radio show. When he talked about, uh, you know, his ability as the owner of the Miss Universe pageant to just walk around in there backstage uh, with the women in, you know, into the dressing yeah, rooms, not into just the dressing backstage. Rooms. Right. Um, so with that in mind and, and, and with a female at the top of the presidential ticket for the first time, women are probably, uh, you know, going to be a decisive factor in the uh, in elections all across the country, not just the presidential election, but. Down ballot races, initiatives, and everything else. Uh, we'll get back to this uh, uh, this Trump situation in a second. But one woman who has never shied away uh, from speaking out about injustices, and Desi, you nailed this uh, yesterday when we, when the story was breaking as we went to air about the uh, the Wells Fargo CEO John Stumpf, who had announced he would be stepping down. Uh, and, and you said, yeah, but what about all the money he took? The $200 million yeah. in executive pay. Senator Elizabeth Warren went on a Twitter tirade against uh, Stumpf after this announcement. He had announced he would be stepping down from the nation's largest bank yesterday in the wake of the scandal, revealing that the bank had encouraged employees to open hundreds of thousands of fraudulent accounts in customers uh, in the names of customers that those customers neither needed nor wanted. We played an extended excerpt of, of Warren and her brutal takedown of Stump during a uh, during a recent Senate oversight hearing a few weeks ago, calling on him then to resign and return some of the two hundred million dollars that he personally profited during this period in question which uh, Wells Fargo has now admitted was wrong and was illegal. Stumpf uh, announced he would be retiring yesterday, so Warren took to Twitter to uh, seek more accountability there after she had decried his gutless leadership in failing to hold himself accountable uh, for his staff's actions. Warren tweeted on Wednesday that, CEO Stump should resign, return every nickel he made during the scam, and face DOJ SEC investigation. He is one for three, she said. He's resigned. That's it. Other than that, hasn't returned any money, and there is yet to be a, uh, a DOJ SEC investigation of what happened, I guess, uh, what he did. He has uh, previously denied that the practice of what they call cross-selling 
offering existing customers other products that he denied that was a scam. He has said it was a way of deepening deepening relationships. Okay, with customers. Uh, Warren said, if Wells Fargo's John Stumpf is leaving with all of his ill-gotten millions, that's still not real accountability, she said. She said that uh, the, the only way that Stumpf uh, and other bankers like him are on Wall Street, uh, those Wall Street executives, the only way that they're actually going to face any accountability, the way that they're actually going to change their behavior is if they are criminally investigated and face a real threat of jail time. Warren said a, a bank teller would face criminal charges and pr a prison sentence for stealing a handful of 20s from the cash drawer. A bank CEO, she said, should not be and should not be able to oversee a massive fraud and simply walk away to enjoy his millions in retirement. So I have a feeling we're going to hear more about that. I have a feeling uh, Elizabeth Warren is not going to be letting that go soon. I hope not. Me too. Uh, and of course, as I mentioned, Warren is not the only very strong woman making headlines today. Speaking in Manchester, New Hampshire uh, this afternoon, First Lady Michelle Obama said that she was she was ditching her usual stump speech for Hillary Clinton. Uh, and, and, and she declared enough is enough and that she has been shaken to the core by these recent events concerning Donald Trump. She offered a powerful and at times quite an emotional and personal and moving response to all that we have seen and heard in, in the last several days concerning the Republican Party's presidential nominee. I'm going to play a, 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 an extended clip here. This is uh, Michelle Obama saying enough is enough, talking about Trump's, uh, the allegations of uh, sexual assault, talking about his uh, bragging about sexual assault today in Manchester, New Hampshire. This is not something that we can ignore. It's not something we can just sweep under the rug as just another disturbing footnote in a sad election season. Because this was not just a lewd conversation. This wasn't just locker room banter. This was a powerful individual speaking freely and openly about sexually predatory behavior and actually bragging about kissing and groping women, using language so obscene that many of us were worried about our children hearing it when we turn on the TV. It's one of countless examples of how he has treated women his whole life. And I have to tell you that I listen to all of this and I feel it so personally. And I'm sure that many of you do too, particularly the women. The shameful comments about our bodies, the disrespect of our ambitions and intellect, the belief that you can do anything you want to a woman, it is cruel, it's, it's frightening. And the truth is, it hurts, it, it, it hurts. It's like that sick, sinking feeling you get when you're walking down the street, minding your own business, and some guy yells out vulgar words about your body. Or when you, you see that guy at work that stands just a little too close, stares a little too long, and makes you feel uncomfortable in your own skin. It's that feeling of terror 
and violation that too many women have felt when someone has grabbed them or forced himself on them and they've said no, but he didn't listen. Something that we know happens on college campuses and countless other places every single day. It reminds us of stories we've heard from our mothers and grandmothers about how back in their day, the boss could say and do whatever he pleased to the women in the office, and even though they worked so hard, jumped over every hurdle to prove themselves, it was never enough. We thought all of that was ancient history, didn't we? And so many have worked for so many years to end this kind of violence and abuse and disrespect, but here we are in 2016, and we're hearing these exact same things every day on the campaign trail. We are drowning in it. And all of us are doing what women have always done. We're trying to keep our heads above water, just trying to get through it, trying to pretend like this doesn't really bother us because we've seen that people often won't take our word over his. Or maybe we don't want to believe that there are still people out there who think so little of us as women. This is not normal. This is not politics as usual. This is disgraceful. It is intolerable. And it doesn't matter what party you belong to. Democrat, Republican, Independent, no woman deserves to be treated this way. None of us deserves this kind of abuse. And how is this affecting men and boys in this country because I can tell you that the men in my life do not talk about women like this and I know that my family is not unusual. And to dismiss this as everyday locker room talk is an insult to decent men everywhere. That was Michelle Obama uh, today in Manchester, New Hampshire. Desi, I know you had some some thoughts. Oh, I had a lot of thoughts uh, on oh, this, but I'll try okay. to keep them short. That's um, all right. So, you know, we talk a lot about how women in STEM fields, science, technology, engineering, and math, mm-hmm. you know, that women aren't really seen in the upper echelons of those types of uh, those types of careers. And a couple of years ago, there was a big scandal in the sort of science writing community of a particular editor who was very wonderful. Everybody thought he was great and he was so good at helping women. Well, it turned out he was also sexually harassing them and propositioning and then doing all kinds of things. So I think that that is a thing that people don't really realize. And a lot of these careers that, you know, you have a lot of connection with uh, older, with, with men, you know, I saw it a lot in a lot of my mm. experiences. I saw it with, you know, my biology teacher in, in school who told us girls should not take these jobs away from men. I saw it in my college professors. I experienced it on the job. I experienced this myself personally. Um, luckily, it's not all men that I experienced. In fact, the vast majority of the men were wonderful and awesome. And when they wanted to help me, it's because they wanted to help me on my merits. But there were those men, there were those college professors, there were those employers who didn't want to help you. They wanted to help themselves. Mm. And it's, it's, it's really, it's, I'm glad that this is coming out. I'm glad we're talking about it. But the thing that we're missing that people aren't talking about is the damage that this has done, not just to these women personally, but to us as a country. Because when you have women who leave a career 
who leave science, who leave technology and engineering and math because of the sexual harassment that they receive, that's a loss to the country. That's a loss of productivity, of imagination, of innovation. I mean, we lost a lot from these women who did not participate, who withdrew because they mm. either felt like they couldn't stand it anymore yeah. or because... You know, when somebody's paying attention to you and you realize it's not on your merits, it makes you doubt yourself. It makes you doubt your skills. It makes you think that you're not actually here because you can do the job. You're only here because somebody likes the way you look or because they think they can get something out of you. So to me, we can thank Donald Trump for that, for bringing racism in this country and sexism, sexual harassment in this country, again to the fore so that people have to be confronted with how endemic and widespread this is in our culture. Well said. And I suspect there's uh, uh, quite a few women today and men uh, thinking those uh, thinking similar thoughts around the so. country. Uh, so finding a bright side, I guess, in election 2016. Thanks for that. That is Desi Doyen. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. We'll take a quick break and we'll be back with the Green News Report. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. You know, it's just one of those days when uh, when we have to turn to the Green News Report to cheer <laughs> us up. It's never, never a good sign. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, all right, uh, let's get to our, our, uh, our Green News Report here because I got a, a couple of follow-ups, a couple of uh, points that we weren't able, we didn't have time to get into it. Uh, so uh, those six minutes, so I'll follow up with it afterwards. Here we go, our latest Green News Report. Elections have consequences. Al Gore and Hillary Clinton rally millennial voters to hashtag vote climate. Federal appeals court allows construction to resume at the Dakota Access Pipeline. North Carolina grapples with Hurricane Matthew's toxic aftermath. Plus, Oklahoma Governor Mary Fallon calls for a day of prayer for oil. <laughs> because of course she does. All of those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. It looks like we dodged a bullet a little bit with that storm. However, with Donald Trump talking about women, it has been upgraded to a Category 5 storm. Inconvenient truth. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, we haven't heard much lately from Al Gore. We continue to hear about Al Gore from climate deniers, but 
We actually heard from him down in Florida this week. (laughs) Yes, we did. Former Vice President Al Gore joined Democratic presidential candidate and former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton in the key swing state of Florida on Tuesday, tying together the debacle of the Florida 2000 election to Hurricane Matthew and climate change to rally young voters. Citing the boom in renewable energy technology and jobs in the U.S., Gore told millennials they are key to achieving successful climate action. Here's the really good news that more people should know. We can change this. We now have the ability to change this. Please take it from me. Every single vote counts. Every single vote Oh, what would he know about it? And in a speech devoted entirely to climate change, Clinton again highlighted her rival Donald Trump's climate science denial. She went deep into impacts and solutions, highlighting that millions are already being spent to protect Florida's cities from rising sea levels. She focused on detailed policy solutions to accelerate the transition to renewable energy with new infrastructure jobs and building resilience to help communities deal with climate impacts. But to get there, she said, the most important step is voting climate. Climate change needs to be a voting issue. We need to elect people up and down the ballot at every level of government who take it seriously and are willing to roll up their sleeves and get something done. We cannot risk putting a climate denier in the White House at all. That is absolutely unacceptable. Wonder who she's talking about. Meanwhile, Hurricane Matthew is gone, but its record flooding lives on to cause a major public health threat in North Carolina. The floods have inundated the state's massive industrial hog and chicken farms, drowning potentially millions of livestock and flooding massive manure waste lagoons. North Carolina's Republican Governor Pat McCrory says officials are working to quickly dispose of decaying animal carcasses that could Mm. contaminate the water supply. No damage assessment yet on the flood's impact on toxic coal ash waste ponds. In North Dakota, construction resumed this week on a disputed portion of the four-state Dakota Access Pipeline near the Standing Rock Sioux Reservation after a federal appeals court ruling allowed pipeline construction to resume on private land. The Army Corps of Engineers has still halted construction on public lands that it controls near and under the Missouri River. Dozens of protesters were arrested this week trying to stop construction, including actress and activist Shailene Woodley. In solidarity with the Dakota Access Pipeline protests. Right now you're under arrest for trespassing. Okay. And I'm sure you understand that. What would you like for me to do? At least nine protesters were also arrested this week at five other key pipeline sites. That was after allegedly using tools to temporarily shut down the flow of crude oil at remote valve stations in four states. It was an action coordinated by the group Climate Direct Action. Reuters reports that the action did no damage to the pipelines, but it did highlight the vulnerability of pipelines to these low-tech attacks. Finally, Oklahoma's Republican Governor Mary Fallon has proclaimed Thursday is Pray for Oil Day, (laughs) asking Oklahomans to pray for our oil industry amid the crash in global oil prices. Oklahoma's budget relies heavily on revenue from the boom in oil and gas in the state, and officials have failed to diversify the state's economy, even amid the growing impact on its water supplies and earthquakes linked to the fracking industry. She should pray that no one gets killed by one of those earthquakes, And of course, it is that oil and gas boom that Oklahoma is relying on that also helped lead to the crash in prices 
that now Oklahoma is decrying and praying will somehow change? Keep praying. For much more on all of those stories and the ones we couldn't get to, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget you can download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, or iTunes. Find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Someone let Howard Dean in. 2004 joke yeah. for those of you paying attention. Uh, one point, actually a couple of points I wanted to uh, make. Uh, thank you, Des. The, uh, uh, on that, uh, Mary Phelan in, uh, in... Fallon. Fallon? Yes. Uh, I think failing is better. <laughs> uh, in Oklahoma. Uh, in in t- 2014, she signed a bill that would charge residents a fee if they produce their own energy through solar panels or small wind turbines. In other words, she's putting in uh, penalties... For renewable energy. For generating your own energy. Exactly. And in that same year, she signed a bill that uh, turned a tax incentive for new oil and gas drilling to make it permanent. A break worth $470 million. In one year. In one year. $470 million. And because of that break that those oil companies got, who are still making money hand over fist, even with the, the lower price of oil... Um, the state has been slashing education funding. What? In, because of this oil-related revenue shortfall. They're yep. not making enough. They're giving the tax breaks. So that's what's going on in Oklahoma. So when she's praying, pray for the oil fields day or whatever the hell it is, you know, how about pray for the children day? Pray for education day. Uh, well, why doesn't that happen? Well, because her top three contributors from 2005 through 2008 are all oil and gas corporations. So, you know what? I'd blame the kids. Hey, kids, start giving money to the governor. Buy her off like the oil and gas companies are, are bought off. Then maybe you can have some money, too, so you can go to school. Yeah, Man. they cut back to four days a week in some places. And and one other uh, point here, I know we got to get out, but you know uh, we've got we we've now got uh, last I was able to check here a couple of hours ago, 39, 39 were killed in the U.S. by Hurricane Matthew. Twenty in North Carolina alone. Now, of course, I think it's over a thousand uh, down in Haiti at this point, but here in the U.S. Uh, imagine, imagine how this campaign, this presidential campaign would have changed on a dime if even one quarter of that number, if even 10, you know, had been killed by someone uh, claiming to be inspired by ISIS. But a global warming fueled storm kills 40 and it's not even a topic of discussion. It doesn't come up in the in the presidential debates. It's hardly anywhere in the U.S. media. I mean, I I hadn't realized until I looked at it last night. Wow, 40, 40 were killed by Hurricane Matthew that everybody has been saying, oh, well, we dodged a bullet on that storm. Well, in one respect, we did, but we still lost 40 people. Imagine, imagine had, had ISIS killed 40 people. You know, and, and, and the Republicans go out and they still go out and they laugh about the idea. Oh, sure. Uh, Hillary thinks climate change is a threat and not ISIS. 
that obviously ISIS is a greater threat. No, clearly it's climate change. And it continues to be. And, you know, I'd love to blame Republicans for it, but I guess I got to blame the, the corporate media for not making these points, not connecting these dots, not continuing to not bring them up in presidential campaigns. So there you go. At least I did. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my guest today, Susan Booker, Palm Beach County Supervisor of Elections. Best of luck to her. And my thanks to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it for free at bradblog.com. Feel free to leave us a nice comment there or via email, and where it doesn't have to be nice at all. Uh, I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. I'm also on the Facebooks and the Twitters at thebradblog. Please share that. Get the word out about the Bradcast. It is greatly appreciated. All right, until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.